This podcast brings to you my life, my journey, and the inspiring stories of so many I've encountered from around the world. I am Devon Malcolm Brewster, and you're listening to Brood. Hey guys, it's your boy Malcolm and I am excited to bring to you yet another episode of The Brood Podcast. I hope that you all are well and well, life is not treating you too badly. By the time this episode airs, it will be the 30th of September and interestingly, a friend informed me that it is actually International Podcast Day. So, happy International Podcast Day. You know, September is a month to remember, um, particularly usually it's one of the months where, it's not one of the months, it is the month where most schools reopen, but you know, since coronavirus uh, in some places that's kind of delayed. But also in September, uh, we observe PCOS Awareness Month, that is Polycystic Ovarian Syndrome Awareness Month. And so it is very fitting as we bring it close to this month to discuss a little bit about PCOS, what it is about, who does it affect, and how each and every one of us can make a difference by just being aware. And so it brings me great pleasure to welcome my guest today, Miss Trudy Christian, one of my former college teachers, one of my favorite college teachers, actually. Miss Trudy Christian holds a Bachelor's of Science degree in biology with a minor in chemistry from the Midwestern State University, as well as a Master's of Public Health degree from the University of the West Indies. Professionally, she has worked in the education sector at a tertiary level education institution for over a decade, both as a lecturer and currently as an administrator. She is passionate about public health, particularly female reproductive health, and has founded the Nature Island Ladies PCOS Support Group and most recently the Dominica PCOS Association. Help me welcome Miss Trudy Christian. Miss Christian, how are you doing? Hi, good evening. I'm good. How are you? I am pretty fine myself. Wonderful. Miss Miss Christian, what is PCOS? What does it stand for? Okay, so the acronym PCOS stands for Polycystic Ovarian Syndrome. A lot of people maybe have difficulty in pronouncing um, <laughs> that term or maybe find it's too lengthy. So it is just commonly referred to as PCOS, but what it stands for is polycystic ovarian syndrome. And what it really is, it's a hormonal disorder which affects women of reproductive age. And uh, PCOS is hormonal in nature. And so the different physiological impacts it has is quite um, vast. So there is a definite impact on the reproductive system, and there is also impact on the metabolic um, um, nature of the female. So PCOS is something that should be dealt with not only from the, the, the female reproductive health standpoint, but also on a more holistic basis, a more multifactorial basis, because the syndrome does affect different um, physiological aspects of the female's uh, body. Right, right. Uh, so, but basically, how, how prevalent is it though? Okay, so PCOS is actually quite common. Um, it is globally, the statistics uh, on it show that one in 10 women have PCOS. 
although we don't mm. have any this any reported statistics locally that's dominica i'm talking from a dominican context i do right. have a lot of anecdotal evidence from physicians that the syndrome is quite common locally as well in in, in in terms of physicians will say that women will come in and complain of certain things and when they send them for further testing, PCOS will ultimately be the diagnosis in the majority right. of those cases. So the anecdotal the anecdotal evidence um, points to there being a similar incidence as is reported globally, that one in 10, 10% of women um, seems to be quite um, true in the in the in the region as well as the overall global uh trend um you know i'm i'm wondering though is it um uh, might you be able to advise us of if it is there is any um trend of increasing prevalence over the the last couple of years um or if it has basically always been um that prevalent the reason i ask is because um i feel like i don't know if it is as a result of greater um efforts to raise awareness um, in, in this day and age. But I'm noticing um, that uh, a lot of a lot more people are coming forward and um, saying that, you know, they've been diagnosed with PCOS. In fact, um, there are actually three friends of mine um, who are in my age group, um, 20 to 26, they're about, um, who have in the last two years um, been diagnosed with PCOS. So is it is it something that we're seeing an increase in prevalence of, or what what might be the the, the reason why um, it appears to be so common? That is a, a very interesting question, and I mean we can maybe argue on both sides of the coin with that. Now, as I just mentioned, physicians uh, in 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 my work in my advocacy work in speaking to physicians, speaking to gynecologists, they have mentioned an increase in numbers like it is it seems that many patients are are you know coming in and being diagnosed with with PCOS but what you mentioned reawareness is also true um if i want to maybe give if i want to delve a bit into a personal experience i was diagnosed with PCOS when i was 25 years old whereas these days i'm hearing a lot of people being diagnosed in their teens and so this sort of early diagnosis is indicative to me that the physicians are picking it up a bit easier than in the right. past now the thing about pcos it's a syndrome and so the presentation is very varied um many people may not have all the same symptoms but the, there is a, a standard for diagnosis. And I think what is happening is that physicians are becoming more aware of the standard. Now, I can just speak about it briefly. Sure. To, give, to give a PCOS diagnosis, there is a scale which must be achieved and you, you need to fulfill two out of three aspects on that scale. Now, the three items on the scale are one, the patient can be experiencing an ovulatory periods, meaning there's no ovulation and hence no menstrual cycle. So very absent or irregular periods, that's one. Two, the patient may present upon blood tests with androgen excess. And so those male hormone levels are, are high. And also the patient might um, exhibit some physical symptoms of that androgen access as well. Or three, the patient upon scan of the ovaries would demonstrate 
multiple small cysts on those ovaries. Everywhere an oh. egg was supposed to be released from the ovary during ovulation, the egg is actually not being released and the follicle in which that egg was housed creates a cyst. So the ovaries upon scan, upon a, a transvaginal scan, you look at those ovaries, they would appear almost like um, somebody described it as a, a pineapple with a lot of little bumps on there, you know? So, so wow. the, yeah, so the, the, the surface texture of the ovary would be very bumpy. And those are the multiple cysts where eggs were trying to be released um, every month. Uh, um, right. That release didn't happen. So if a woman comes in and she expresses that she has had irregular absent periods, and then a scan is done and they, they, they view those multiple small cysts on the ovary ovaries, then a diagnosis can be given, even in the absence of testing for the excess male hormone, the androgen. So as I said, it's two um, out of three. And in my personal experience of the syndrome, I was diagnosed based on those two, the irregularity and absence of the menstrual cycle, meaning that ovulation was not taking place. And secondly, the presence of the multiple cysts on the ovaries. Some women, you know, can have a different two um, combination for them to get a diagnosis. So to, to, to go back to your initial question, mm -hmm. I feel like it's a combination of increased awareness, particularly in the medical field. And so people are getting diagnosed um, a bit quicker. And I also feel like there may be some increased incidence and that is worthy of some research um, because we, we do not know, PCOS does not have a known cause. It is thought, oh. that, it has, it is thought that it has some genetic um, factors which predispose a woman to that syndrome, but there is no definitive cause that has been identified for PCOS. Um, I, I suppose one of the things that really strike me um, as you spoke, Ms. Christian, is the um, fact that um, it, it affects the reproductive health. And I could very well imagine that perhaps for someone being diagnosed with PCOS, that might be one of um, uh, the very serious concerns, you know, especially those who may um, passionately desire um, childbearing. Uh, my question would be sort of twofold. Um, I suppose in your own experience, what was it, what was it like for you at 25 um, receiving that diagnosis and how did that affect you in terms of your perception of um, the outlook for you personally? And then what does the, I suppose, the, the literature and so forth um, and anecdotal evidence um, have to say about how PCOS affects um, women's ability to have children. Okay, so you you mentioned the impact on reproductive health and that maybe being a big um, issue with women, and you are absolutely correct. The majority of women surveyed um, upon diagnosis with PCOS, their first fear is that of infertility. So PCOS is the, the, one of the most common causes of female infertility, or some people prefer to say subfertility, because fertility is possible with the right treatment, you know? So people prefer to, instead of using the, the term infertility, use the term subfertility, meaning it may be difficult, but still possible. But, but 
but the, the fact is the, the numbers show that PCOS is the primary cause, the prime, one of the, the most common causes of female um, infertility. So on a personal level, when I received when I received the diagnosis, I was not particularly concerned with fertility. I may be among the few who at that at, at that stage I had not considered having children as priority. Um, what what happened is I went through a long period and, and I can maybe take the story back a bit. I went through yeah. my entire adolescence with irregular and absent periods. And so I yeah. kind of somehow, even without a diagnosis, kind of figured out somewhere in my brain that, you know, I was I was not the typical female and that, mm. you know, I was I was somewhat not as fertile as right. other females. That's all that's that, because it's it's Science. That's yeah, so you're not getting a menstrual period. Um, so you know something is not working, right? But I didn't know what the diagnosis was, and I thought it was just an individual issue that I had that it was just something about me. And I I think in my brain, and psychologists will tell you that people have a way of protecting themselves by covering certain things up in their brain. So I mm-hmm. think my 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 brain tried to protect me from this mm-hmm. disappointment. By then feeling as I grew up, you know, I don't want children. You know, I don't want children. I just don't want them. Um, and so by the time I got that right, so by the time I got that diagnosis at 25, it wasn't like it was a big blow to me in terms of my fertility aspirations. What was the bigger blow? And I will always speak about that. PCOS is described as a, a loaded gun. Um, and the reason wow. being, where PCOS in it, in and of itself may not directly result in mortality. What it does is it predisposes women. It creates high risk for other issues that do cause mortality or do cause death. So PCOS is a, women with PCOS are at very high risks for developing type two diabetes. As a matter of fact, more than half of the women with PCOS globally are known to become diabetic by the age of 40, which is pretty young. Um, and of course, we know the complications that are associated with that with diabetes. Um, also, there is high risk for cardiovascular disease and stroke. Women with PCOS must consistently monitor their cholesterol levels um, because there is high risk of, of, of cardiovascular issues. And also endometrial cancer. The research shows that women with PCOS have higher risks of endometrial cancer. And so when I looked at all of those things, and as I said, the loaded gun analogy. So this is a syndrome that I have, and it has the possibility of firing all these bullets that can potentially kill, talking diabetes, um, you know, heart attack and, and, and stroke. We're talking um, endometrial cancer. Those things were scarier to me than the possibility of infertility. Now, as I am, as I started off by saying, I'm speaking about my experience, but that is definitely not the experience of the majority of people who are diagnosed with PCOS. I can tell you from my from wow. interactions that the majority right. of people are primarily concerned about the fertility first. There are hmm. many cases of women who go on to have successful pregnancies and to have children. Um, what happens with PCOS, if I have to go into a little of the um, pathology of, of, the, of the condition, the, sure. the majority of females who have PCOS 
what is the underlying um, issue is that they are insulin resistant. And because mm. they are insulin resistant, the body is, is the body tends to overproduce insulin. So the pancreas, you know, these cells are not responding to that insulin that I'm making. So let me just make some more insulin. So the pancreas right. keeps making insulin and that overproduction of insulin affects the ovaries. It then causes mm. ovaries to over-secrete the male hormone, particularly testosterone, um, and also causes those ovaries to have that faulty pattern of ovulation, so not releasing the eggs as they should. So for women to overcome some of the, the, the issues of PCOS, such as not ovulating, oftentimes there are drugs which are prescribed to reduce and modify the cell's reception to insulin so that the insulin levels are not so high. So many PCOS patients are on the diabetes drug metformin, which modifies the way their body responds to, to insulin and so enables them to, to actually ovulate. I personally am on PC, or I am on metformin. I have been for many, for many years, and it does indeed modify my ability to ovulate. And I will just mention too that a lot of women will see improvements in their um, symptoms as it relates to fertility specifically if they are able to lose weight and manage weight because insulin resistance causes weight gain and then the, right. the, the, the more weight the, the individual gains the worse off their hormonal levels become so it is a lot of people manage or are able to manage um their symptoms by actually changing their lifestyle and diet and losing some weight. But it is a tough thing to do because the syndrome itself, because of that insulin causes weight gain. And, and, and then I suppose the, the, the weight gain um, in and of itself would um, come with its own um, with its own challenges, you know, predisposition to um, other diseases and so forth. So there's a sort of uh, I suppose a sort of intermingling of, of pathologies, of potential pathologies right. um, with the whole PCOS that makes it difficult. But I, I think one of the things that I take away from what you said um, thus far, Mr. Sen, is that um, PCOS is not a death sentence, one, and it is also not um, a, a condemnation to barrenness uh, or perpetual infertility, but that um, especially the young people who I suppose are not as educated on the subject, you know, um, and may, may or may not receive a diagnosis that they can um, be confident that with the right sort of um, therapy and so forth, that um, PCOS doesn't have, to, doesn't have to keep them down. Yes. Um, I suppose one of the um, questions that might be in the minds of our listeners, um, and definitely in my mind, and I'm going to, like I don't know the answer, <laughs> but um, should men care about PCOS? I mean, definitely men don't have ovaries, so we cannot right. suffer from PCOS directly. So should that be one of the things that we just say, okay, that is women thing and just move on for life, and you know, or is that something that we should be concerned of as men? Right. So men should definitely care about PCOS. As a matter of fact, this month for PCOS Awareness Month here in Dominica, we have organized a men's uh, campaign almost to culminate the month's event. So we have men who are going to be who are going to be really soon showcasing their support for women 
um, with PCOS via a social media campaign. So that's something to look out for um, at the end of the month. But men should definitely care. This is why. You just discussed how PCOS can affect a woman's fertility. Now, that along with the other things that it causes should be of major consideration to men because men, of course, are the partners of women and men have children with women. So if there is an issue with fertility with a woman, then the man you know who is involved should, of course, care. And of course, men have mothers and sisters and aunts, you know, and a, a whole host of other family members uh, apart from their wives or girlfriends who may also be affected with PCOS. What we notice in society, and this is, a well, what we notice culturally in Dominica, and I'm sure this applies to the rest of the region as well, the burden of childbearing falls almost squarely on the, the, the shoulders of the woman, almost like the responsibility. So you would notice a lot of people will say to women, you know, when are you having children? Like, when are you making children for your husband? When are you going to give your husband a child? So the responsibility is falling on that woman and the psychological pressure of that is great, particularly if you as the woman are having issues um, with conceiving. And so that's where the men come in. The men are necessary to support women who are, you know, facing these sorts of trials and who may be under a lot of societal pressure as well. So although society seems to place the focus on women for childbearing, men, men's role then would be to really support and elevate the women in their lives who may you know having having issues and to kind of allow the woman to not feel so completely and use an interesting word um earlier like condemned um right. you know sort of barrenness you know so the support of men is very is very crucial and women with PCOS suffer from very high rates of depression and anxiety so the psychological psychological impact is great so if the men are able to support and to take into consideration the plight of women suffering from pcos it will definitely improve the psychological outcomes that they that right. they have so so essentially um in addition to men uh um playing a role in the lives of the persons affected you know that maybe in their life like you know mother sister um wife friends and so forth um, men can also play a role in, I suppose, um, enabling that sort of paradigm shift in society to one that is more understanding of these different effects. Because it's interesting um, that it came up that way because the, the, the last line of questioning before we wrap up this uh, wonderful um, discussion, which I'm enjoying, by the way, <laughs> um, is basically <laughs> to deal with how society responds to PCOS, not um, as a syndrome itself, you know, because I, I think um, definitely as with um, many other things, you know, there's always room for more education surrounding health, um, uh, different health uh, pathologies and so forth. But, um, you know, you mentioned a lot of effects um, of PCOS. Um, one of those that um, stand out is, um, two, two of those rather, is obesity and uh, subfertility, which is more politically correct to say. And you, yes. you sort of hinted at, you know, <laughs> you sort of hinted at, um, you know, um, people asking questions like, you know, like, when are you going to have children, you know, um, and how that can have a, a psychological impact on, you know, someone who is trying and is already so sad about the fact that, you know, they've not been able to succeed 
at, at, at bearing children and so forth. And it comes off as very insensitive. The same can be said about obesity, you know? I mean, we all know, I mean, it's, it's basically culture where, you know, whether you put on weight or you don't put on weight, there's some people when you meet them every time, why you look like you're putting up, you're putting on some more pounds in exercise, you know, you lose weight, that becomes a problem. So, <laughs> um, how, how has, um, the persons in your network, you know, through your advocacy, through the Dominica PCOS um, Association, um, uh, how, mm. how have the women generally been dealing with uh, the, 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 I suppose, the, the pressures that come with having PCOS from um, a societal standpoint? Right. So, I mean, you, you brought up some very interesting um, points. Women with PCOS do undergo a lot of societal pressure, and the obesity aspect is is also very, very, um, very important to consider. Uh, women in my network express a lot of um, embarrassment about the mm. syndrome. As a matter of fact, it is very it's very hard to get women in the well my initial group i had was a support group and now i have transitioned into a, a association but in the support group you'd have a lot of women who would be comfortable in speaking maybe to me as the founder of the support group but will not want other people to know they have PCOS, oh. so they would not want any public um you know talk about it and the reason being what you just said society can be very brutal i mean the kind of comments that women have said to me that people you know give them on a regular basis things like you know you the, the same thing about the weight you you just get in fat or you know um somebody said people anytime she goes onto a bus they would ask her if she's going to pay for two seats you know because she, oh. she's so big she's and then there are other women who talk about the comments that they get about their fertility. People would say things mm. like, you know, um, one woman said to me most recently that her ex-boyfriend's um, family, whilst they were trying to conceive, and she tried unsuccessfully to conceive with that partner for years, the family would say, you know, that she was aborting his babies and that she was mm. purposefully not purposefully not giving him a baby and that she had so much emotional hurt from that experience right. with that family so you would see that women are undergoing women in my network women with pcos are undergoing a lot of emotional turmoil because of how society approaches them um and and basically chastises them for things that mm. may not be their fault you know, things like the weight right. gain that can be at times, you know, things like the, the subfertility, things like even, you know, with insulin resistance, which is expressed in PCOS, you can have these dark patches, this hyperpigmentation, um, sometimes around the neck, for instance. So some people may be accused of having poor hygiene if they see this dark ring around, mm. around their neck, you know, right. some women... Um, might have, oh, I didn't mention this, but because of the high male hormone level, a lot of women have beard. A lot of women with PCOS, one of the most um, troubling symptoms, maybe for some physically, is hirsutism, is what it's called, is the male hair growth on the face. So when you have society that is like so critical, you know, hey, hey look at that beard, or, or, or she have, she's a boy, man, look at that beard, or why she just, she's not made, she just, in, or you know all these kind of all these kind of things 
the emotional turmoil is great. And that is why awareness is so critical. And I, as I always say, and I'm so happy that, you know, I am on this podcast with you right now, because awareness is important to create a society that's more empathetic. I think a lot of times why people may be so critical and so harsh is because they truly are ignorant of, you know, the facts, you know? So, so I feel like, right. So I feel like the more that we are able to speak about certain medical conditions like this one and kind of educate and make people more aware of the existence of them, it's the more empathetic that we may be able to get society to become. So that, that is that is one of my fundamental reasons for being so um, so serious about creating awareness around PCOS. And I, I think I think uh, Ms. Christian, the universe will be grateful to you <laughs> for your for your efforts. You know, um, I, I I I am very much I feel enlightened by this uh, this conversation, and definitely I commend it to my listeners. Um, you know that you know each of us can be the change that we want to see, and we I think we we can all agree that we all want a society that is more understanding of the you know individuality of, of challenges um, as people face them. You know to be less judgmental and more uh, empathetic if you've not experienced different things like PCOS, or sympathetic if you have. Um, to basically create an environment that. Uh, you know, where things like what you have expressed in terms of from your network, what persons have said, that those things don't happen, you know, because um, different things affect persons' confidence and they have implications, vast implications um, across the broad spectrum of daily living. And so if it is that we can educate ourselves, um, then it will make us more poised and better positioned to um, respond positively to these realities. And Ms. Christian, as we close, I think it would be most fitting to share with us, if we can, how it is um, that um, persons can get more information on what the Dominica PCOS um, Association is doing, and generally how to become more educated on the subject matter of PCOS. Okay, so the Dominica PCOS Association, which was just recently started, um, it stems off of the Nature Eye Ladies PCOS support group, which I mentioned earlier. We do have an online presence, so you can access the association's Facebook page. The, the Facebook page is Dominica PCOS Association. You can also access the um, association via Instagram, also DCA PCOS Association is the is the handle on um, Instagram. So we do have online presence both on Instagram and on Facebook. What we intend to do as time passes and we become a bit more organized is to establish a, a website. Um, but for now, the information is available via social media for the awareness month of September. We have been posting considerable information on our um, social media platforms so people can get information from there. I can also mention too that in the region, I have collaborated this September with some other regional organizations which are focused on raising PCOS awareness. One of them is the Barbados Association of Endometriosis and PCOS. Their acronym is BAEP, B-A-E-P, or BAEP, Barbados Association of Endometriosis and PCOS. The other one is the St. Lucia Association of Endometriosis, 
PCOS and adenomyosis. And the third is she is Lotus, which is from St. Vincent and the Grenadines. So these three organizations also have social media presence and they do post quite a bit of information about PCOS. So those are three other sources that um, people can access on Facebook and on Instagram. She is Lotus, um, BAEP, and St. Lucia Association of Endometriosis, PCOS, and Adenomyosis. So I, I, I would recommend these three sources in addition to the Dominica PCOS Association pages. These other three sources are quite, um, are quite good at getting information on PCOS. Wonderful. Thank you so much, uh, Ms. Christian, for um, joining us uh, for this episode of The Good Podcast. Um, and I'm sure that our listeners have been enlightened. And I look forward to having you sometime again to um, perhaps give us updates on PCOS or collaborate on some other um, topical issues, which I know that you might be competent in sharing with us. So thanks so much. Definitely. It was my pleasure. And I would definitely come back anytime that you, you need to. Um, have me on. I am. I am very interested in anything health. So feel free to call on me at any time. And it was my pleasure um, to speak to you this evening about this US. Thank you. So thank you very much for joining us on yet another episode of The Brood Podcast. It was wonderful to share with you my thoughts and I look forward to doing that with you more often. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe on our social media platforms at Brood Podcast. Share with your friends and your family. Let them know what a wonderful episode this was. They can listen over breakfast, lunch, dinner or anytime even on the journey to work or school. And look forward to sharing with you again with my wonderful guest in the next two weeks. Uh, so stay tuned and bye.